you are listening to Hypertension Resistant to Treatment, where you will get knowledge, training, resources, and support for better blood pressure control. If you are suffering with high blood pressure or blood pressure that is difficult to treat, this podcast is indeed for you. Here is your host, Dr. Tanya. I am Dr. Tanya, and I am here to teach you everything you ought to know about hypertension management. I am a clinical scientist, and I've done research over 10 years, and I've found some interesting things about hypertension and blood pressure control and medication-taking behavior. I would like to share with you all of the information I've found, as well as all the information that's out there that, that will help you get control of your blood pressure. Stick with me and we'll take this journey to help you improve your blood pressure. Thanks for listening. According to the most recent data published in the Journal of Human Hypertension, October 2019, we know that diabetes causes hypertension, but it is unclear if hypertension causes diabetes. And what we know is that there are about 20% of people with hypertension who have diabetes, but there are 50% of patients with diabetes who have hypertension. Now, when I say diabetes, I'm speaking of the type 2 diabetes. But from here on, I will just refer to it as diabetes. Hello, hypertension resistors. So today I want to talk about how blood sugar increases your blood pressure. And also I have a clip from Dr. Gregor, Dr. Michael Gregor with Nutritional Facts. He'll tell us a little bit about the history of nutritional policy. So let's get to it. Now there was a study that suggests that sugar is worse for blood pressure than salt. Another study by Dr. Ian Brown and colleagues showed that patients were more likely to develop diabetes diabetes if they were on a high salt diet than patients on a low salt diet. They specifically said that the sugar blood pressure association were stronger among higher sodium consumers and that their findings were consistent with other studies. And these authors that wrote paper recommend that anybody who has hypertension or heart disease monitor both their blood sugar and their blood pressure. And then they went on to say that uh, blood sugar in higher amounts have well been documented to cause negative effects on the body and particularly affects negatively your metabolic profile. High blood pressure can bring up your insulin level. So insulin levels are encouraged to be monitored based on my opinion, but it's not recommended by the guidelines. High cholesterol, high sugar, excessive sugar in your diet can cause high cholesterol. And a lot of people don't associate a high sugar diet with high cholesterol. Most people think of fat that causes high cholesterol than sugar. But basically it's sugar and carbs, a high sugar diet and a high carb diet that can affect your cholesterol level. And this high sugar diet can increase your blood pressure, cause you to have excessive weight, especially around your abdomen or your stomach. There are a cascade of events that occur when you eat too much sugar 
Let me just tell you a couple of those mechanisms. Now, sugar increases your uric acid level, which blocks your body's ability to make nitric oxide. And we all know nitric oxide relaxes your blood vessels. So therefore, if you don't make enough nitric oxide, you know, your blood pressure would be elevated, right? Because your blood vessels would be constricted. Too much sugar causes you to store excessive sugar as fat, leading to excessive weight gain. Excessive weight gain leads to you being overweight or obese. And then being overweight or obese is a risk factor for high blood pressure. The last thing I'm going to talk about is that insulin is a hormone that helps you remove sugar from your blood and send it to your body cells for energy. But some of the sugar is stored than your liver as glycogen to be used later as energy. Excessive sugar is stored as fat anywhere on your body. Now, for me, I store my fat in my hips, butt, and thigh. You may store yours in your upper body only and not lower body. Well, regardless, being overweight or obese will make you likely to have high blood pressure because obesity is a risk factor for hypertension or high blood pressure. Now, you can find out if you're overweight or obese by using a basomalabotic index calculator. All you need to do is measure your height and your weight and plug it into the calculator. And I have a link in the show notes that can help you with that to find out what your status is. Doctors Bernard Shung and Lee Shou wrote a paper in 2012 noting that diabetes and hypertension frequently occur together and that there are substantial overlaps between diabetes and hypertension in the cause of diabetes and hypertension and how they come about. And they noted that obesity, inflammation, oxidative stress, and insulin resistance are thought to be the common pathways or the common causes of diabetes as well as hypertension. And they also said that since hypertension and diabetes are both the end result of having a low HDL, or high LDL or total cholesterol, high triglycerides, insulin resistance, and obesity. A combination of three of those symptoms would be considered the metabolic syndrome. And the combination would likely cause you to develop diabetes or hypertension or both. Well, the good news is that once you solve the metabolic syndrome or resolve those symptoms of high cholesterol, obesity, insulin resistance, and get your blood pressure controlled or your diabetes controlled, uh, you could very well reverse. Well, I know in the medical field, we don't talk about reversing chronic disease, but At that point, your diabetes or hypertension would be well-managed. We'll put it that way. Even though, according to research, once you get older and your blood vessels stiffen as you age, you will likely end up with hypertension eventually anyway. But however, the longer you can delay that process, uh, the better. Hypertension and diabetes are both end results 
of metabolic syndrome. Uh, They may therefore develop one after the other in the same individual. In other words, if you have hypertension and you don't have diabetes, you may just develop diabetes if your blood pressure is uncontrolled because of the inflammation and the damage that's being done to the kidneys and the blood vessels. And likewise, if you have diabetes, you may eventually develop hypertension due to the inflammation and the damage to the kidneys and the damage to the blood vessel and etc. And they concluded that optimizing your lifestyle, in other words, lifestyle modification, is really the key in preventing and treating diabetes and hypertension. A meta-analysis, which is just several studies uh, put together and analyzed, a very large study including 4 million adults was conducted in 2015. It was a meta-analysis, so it's one of the most robust types of studies of 4 million adults, and they found that people with high blood pressure have a higher risk of developing diabetes. And again, it's not the diagnosis of hypertension that is causing people with high blood pressure the higher risk. It's the uncontrolled hypertension or high blood pressure that is causing the higher risk. Now, I keep saying that because sometimes it can get very confusing of what hypertension is because once we say someone has hypertension, then we sometimes just assume that their blood pressure is uncontrolled. But the hypertension diagnosis is from uh, at the time of diagnosis, their blood pressure was uncontrolled. And from that point on, once treated, if treated appropriately and the response is appropriate, then the patient or the person becomes, uh, blood pressure becomes controlled and therefore they may have a diagnosis of hypertension, but their blood pressure is no longer uncontrolled on medication. Or they may be treated with diet only and their blood pressure is no longer uncontrolled. Either way, they won't be at higher risk any longer. The high blood pressure or uncontrolled blood pressure puts them at higher risk. So it can get confusing to think that just because you have hypertension, you would be at higher risk for Uh, diabetes if you had hypertension. And if you had diabetes, you would be at higher risk for hypertension just because you have diabetes. But actually, it's the risk comes from the uncontrolled 
disease. So uncontrolled hypertension and uncontrolled diabetes. According to Dr. Michael Gregor with nutritionalfact.org, in 1977, the original dietary goals were to limit the amount of sugar Americans took in. And these goals were listed in the McGovern report. Now, we understood it. There were several organizations that were against this situation, of course, So these restrictions never did make it to see the light of day. Here is Dr. Gregory's account of what happened back then in 1977 that could have potentially affected the way we eat today. (laughs) So here he is. So what really happened back then? Dating back to the original dietary goals for the United States in 1977, the so-called McGovern Report, leading nutrition scientists were not only calling for a reduction in meat and other sources of saturated fat and cholesterol like dairy and eggs, but also sugar. Uh, The goal was to reduce America's sugar intake down to uh, no more than 10% of the daily diet. The final conclusions would hang sugar, reported the president of the Sugar Association. Uh, The McGovern report has to be neutralized. Don't worry, though, we have the National Cattlemen's Association on our side, and like Big Sugar, they appealed to the Senate Select Committee to withdraw the report. The sugar industry empire striking back appeared to work when the official dietary guidelines were released in 1980, and then Again, in 85, no specific limit, like 10%, just a a vague, avoid too much sugar, whatever that means. By 95, it got even vaguer, choose a diet moderate in sugars. In 2000, they were at least back to limit, but even that was too strong under pressure from sugar lobbyists. They went back to moderate your intake of sugars before the 2005 guideline committee dropped the S-word completely encouraging Americans to choose carbohydrates wisely, whatever that means. If only there were some kind of dietary guidelines committee that could give us guidance. The Sugar Association expressed optimism about that 2005 committee. The Sugar Association Incorporated is, quote, committed to the protection and promotion of table sugar consumption, and they will not allow for the disparagement of sugar. And they're not kidding. In 2003, the World Health Organization released a report, Diet, Nutrition, and the Prevention of Chronic Disease, which for the first time since the McGovern report called for reduction in sugar intake to under 10%. The Sugar Association responded by threatening to get the U.S. to withdraw all funding from the WHO. The Sugar Association threatening to pressure Congress to withdraw funding from the World Health Organization. The threat was described as tantamount to blackmail and worse than any pressure they had experienced from big tobacco. But now, 15 years later, 40 years after the first proposed McGovern report, the current 2015 to 2020 dietary guidelines lay out as a key recommendation the 10% limit, currently exceeded by every age bracket in the United States, starting at age one, with adolescents averaging 87 grams of sugar a day, uh, meaning the average teen is effectively eating 29 sugar packets a day. The Sugar Association describes the 10% limit as extremely low. I mean, only like up to a dozen spoonfuls a day. Uh, But of course, 
there's no dietary requirement for added sugar at all. And every single calorie we get from added sugar is a wasted opportunity to get calories from sources that actually provide nutrition. So what did the American Heart Association have to say about all of this? To the American Heart Association's credit, they went further trying to push added sugar intake down to about 6% of calories, for which a single can of soda could you know, send you over the limit. An added sugar limit exceeded by 90% of Americans. In 2017, the American Heart Association released their guidelines for children, recommending they get no more than about you know, 6 teaspoons per day, which means there's you know nearly... 100 cereals on the U.S. market for which a single serving exceeded the entire recommended daily limit. And the Heart Association recommends no added sugars at all under age 2. Uh, small toddlers are to avoid added sugars altogether, a recommendation that's violated in up to 80% of toddlers. The U.S. is one of at least 65 countries that have implemented dietary guidelines or policies to curb sugar consumption. In the UK, the Scientific Advisory Committee on Nutrition made new recommendations to reduce added sugars down to 5%, which is the direction of the world. Health organizations headed as well. They always seem to be kind of ahead of the curve. Why? Because their policymaking process is at least partially protected from industry influence. Unlike governments, which may have competing interests in commerce and trade, the World Health Organization is exclusively concerned with health. So what I'm hearing is that although some public health authorities may have competing interests, others are consistently fighting for us and fighting for our health. Oh, I like the idea of toddlers not having any added sugars, toddlers less than two years old, and the fact that some authorities in the United States are constantly fighting to implement dietary guidelines or policies to curb sugar consumption. However, it's up to us to abide by those guidelines, but Oh, it sounds so easy, but it's so hard. It's simple, but not easy. Because let's face it, sugar is an addiction. It's an acquired taste, just like salt. Salt is an addiction or an acquired taste. Food is an addiction or an acquired, I don't know, an acquired taste. So it's all about habit. And once you get in a habit... Of eating a lot of sugar, you have this acquired taste and you will seek the sugar. Oh, I'm preaching to the choir here. Okay, so what I want you to know is diabetes causes hypertension. So if you have diabetes and you don't have hypertension and your blood sugar is uncontrolled, then you are at high risk for developing hypertension. And I want you to know that hypertension puts you at higher risk for diabetes. So if you don't have diabetes and you have hypertension, get your blood pressure controlled so that you won't develop diabetes. So you will be less likely to develop diabetes from hypertension. I want you to ask your doctor or healthcare provider about 
doing a A1C on you, at least annually, or whatever the guidelines dictates right now, so that you can know what your status is so far as your blood sugar and work with your healthcare provider to maintain a normal A1C or if your A1C is elevated, work with your provider to get your A1C within a normal range. Consider purchasing a blood glucose monitor for home. That way, in between getting those A1Cs, you can monitor your blood sugar at home. And we'll talk more about that in upcoming episodes and ask your doctor for a insulin level because based on research, it is thought having too much insulin is the thing that's keeping you or putting you at risk for hypertension. If you don't have hypertension and if you do have hypertension, that hyperinsulinemia, that just means too much insulin is the thing that's keeping your blood pressure elevated and causes the damage to your blood vessels and is responsible for a poor outcome. So that's all I have for you today. Stay tuned to Hypertension Resistant to Treatment, where I'll tell you more about what you ought to know about hypertension and trending health topics. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next one.